Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Turn with me to Colossians 4 today. We are finishing our walk through the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Lord, this is your word today, alive and active. May it breathe into your body of believers and may it change us because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So two weeks ago, we were talking about having new life in Christ. Any one of Paul's writings that you pick up, you will see that he was big. His whole focus is about the transformational power of Jesus Christ. When you encounter Jesus, it has to change you. And he knew that firsthand. He had that firsthand experience. This was something he he knew, and that's why he preached it. And today he's talking about the prayer life of the church. Devote yourself to prayer. Now let's remember again what Paul is addressing in this specific letter. He has been addressing the false teachers who have come and began inserting their message within the church. The Gnostics, Judaism even, that they began to insert their Jesus and messages. You see, that still happens today. The Amplified Version breaks down verse 2 in a way I really liked. It said, be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. Those are some specific, powerful words. Now, sometimes when we read this and we, we read that, be alert, I automatically think of scenes like, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? When Jesus tells the disciples to to come with him and pray, and what do they do? They fall asleep. Yeah, I'm bad about that too. If it's too late, if it's after dark, I might not be the best thing. So maybe Paul is touching on that a, a little bit, but that's not the real thing. You see, if you look up the word alert for a definition... What you're going to find is a definition similar to quick to notice any unusual and potentially dangerous or different circumstances. You see, being alert is not about drinking a five-hour energy and your eyeballs just being up and open. Being alert is about your mind being focused as well. And understanding, in other words, Paul wanted them to understand there are dangerous and potentially harmful things coming into the church that we need to be aware of. Church, this still happens today. This is still one of my prayers when I walk through this sanctuary. And I pray, God, bind the things of the enemy that will try to walk through this door. 
And sometimes we're the reason it walked through the door. Bitterness. We're upset about something. We didn't like something. Well, shoot, we wouldn't have all that technology problem if they just quit using all that technology. You know, those kind of little naggy things. The enemy will seep into the door. And Paul says, be alert. Understand that there are things that you need to focus your prayers on. You know, you can pray every single day. You know, if I, if I was to maybe take a quiz from you guys of how your prayer life is, we might get a pretty good percentage. Oh, it's okay. But are you just going through the motions? We talked Wednesday night in our Bible study about how sometimes um, prayers can sound really good, but it's still just sort of going through the motions. Like we kind of, when, when we taught our kids how to pray um, before bedtime, we gave them a pattern to pray, and they learned that. They learned how to repeat that, but as they got older, they needed to learn how to adjust that. How to make it personal then. And so, are you just going through the motions? Lord, thank you for today. Lord, would you just be with my family today? Help me be an ambassador for you. Amen. Now, there's nothing wrong with a short prayer. You know, when Diane and I get together praying, she may not realize this. Sometimes she'll be sitting out in that foyer, and I come in walking in here, and I'm done long before Miss Diane is sometimes. (laughs) because she is, and and there's nothing wrong with long prayers, because she just has so many things that she will have come into mind, and different people, and, and, and man, she will get sunk into it. And some days I'm just like, Lord, I'm not doing this right, am I? That You know, that's what I feel like. But see, that's the enemy speaking. Because prayer can still be short. Prayer can be long. Prayer is what the Spirit puts on your heart. You see, you've got to be alert and focused to understand what to pray for. So, so that little simple prayer, maybe you just need to adjust it to be more specific. You know, first of all, Paul said, be persistent and devoted. Make prayer a priority in your life. And your prayer life will not look like my prayer life. So some of you, maybe you really are the go-getter early morning bird and you can get up, Diane can get up at 4 o'clock in the morning or she's up at midnight sometimes doing her prayer time. Mm -mm, I don't think very good. (laughs) Now, I do wake up in the night sometimes. You know, God sometimes will wake me up and, and I've learned the quickest way to go back to sleep is start praying, people. Enemy don't like it. He'll let you go straight back to sleep. You start worrying, he'll let you stay up all night long. But see, your prayer life may look different. Maybe you're a nighttime prayer person. That's okay, too. People need covered 24-7, so that's okay. But the main thing is make it a priority in your day that you want to set aside a time for just you and the Lord for that prayer time. The second thing Paul said, be alert and focused. You see, Paul was worried that these believers might just be going through a motion of things. And he said, I want you to be aware of these difficult circumstances that are coming into the church and surrounding you right now. You've got to be able to look at it. And so that prayer I gave you all ago that was short and simple, but sometimes we just sort of say it because that's just what we say, right? 
Watch over my family that they may see the dangers and difficulties today, Lord. You see, take that generic prayer and make it specific. Prayers can still be short, but make it specific. So when I pray for my kids, it's not just, Lord, protect my kids. I do pray that. But Lord, put people around them that are witnesses for you. Let them be witnesses for you today. And God, put people with them so when the hard times come, they have somebody there. That's pretty important to be specific in your prayers. Because it means you're being alert. You're listening to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's all it is. It's just, have you ever had God put somebody's name on your heart? And man, you don't even know the specifics of the circumstance. So I just start praying for their family. I start praying for their job or their finances or whatever God lays on my heart. And I don't even know sometimes what's going on. Sometimes I'll share with people that I've prayed for them these specific prayers, and they're just like, well, I can't think of anything that comes to mind, but maybe your prayers helped to hold that off. So never bypass that. Be alert and focused in how you pray. And you have to listen to the Holy Spirit for that. And then finally he said, pray with an attitude of thanksgiving. This was big. You see, if we can remember that, that song, I exalt thee, oh man, it just, it brings it all this morning. Because I do just want to sit and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. That, that brought the, the heart of thankfulness this morning. And when we remember what God has done for me, I can't help but want it for everybody else. And then that begins to change how you pray. Because now, I don't just want my kids to be safe. God, I want them to have a real relationship with you. I want them to be transformed, just like I was transformed. And then I want them to impact others. That's what a heart of thankfulness will do for you. It reminds you what God did in your life. And then all of a sudden, you get hungry to want others to have that in their life. One of my commentaries, uh, William Barclay, he said this about prayer. He said, Paul tells them to persevere in prayer, even for the best of us. There come times when prayer seems to be unproductive and pointless, to even penetrate no further than the walls of the room in which we pray. And it's at such a time that the remedy is not to stop, but to go on praying. For in those times, spiritual dryness cannot last. So what he said is, and maybe you've experienced this because I know I have, you've prayed and you've prayed and you're like, God, are you even listening? And you feel like you're in that room and the prayers are not leaving. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I live in a metal house and I don't think prayers can get out of the roof. And so the enemy tells us your prayers are useless. Stop praying. Don't pray for that person. You've been praying for that person for 20 years. Stop. No. Keep praying. 
Every time you have even the inkling to stop, keep praying. Now, sometimes God releases. Diane knows what I'm talking about here. There are times when God releases and will say, I've got this. In other words, he'll confirm to you, I've heard your prayer, child. We may not see the results yet, but he'll release you. But I'm talking about when that heaviness, that weariness that says, I just don't want to pray no more, then you better keep praying. Because that is what will take the dryness away. When you begin to rely on what you know, and my God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. My God says that I hear every prayer and every tear that falls. That's what my God says. My God says he cannot lie. Don't stop praying. Pray with a thankful heart. What do you pray for? Paul said first he wanted them to pray for their circumstances, be alert, understand what's happening amongst your life. Then he says, pray for me. Pray for those with me. Pray that God will give us opportunity and we'll make every opportunity count. Now remember where Paul is when he writes this letter. He is in house arrest waiting for a trial. That would tell me that maybe his opportunities have become limited if you're on house arrest. He's limited to whoever is allowed to come and go inside of his home. And yet, Paul did not ask for his freedom. He didn't say, pray for my freedom. He didn't say, uh, could you pray that this trial goes well? He didn't say, pray for anything that makes life easier for me, did he? He said, give me opportunity to share the gospel of Christ. That is what the priority is. Paul wanted opportunities to share the gospel, the mystery, mysterious plan of Christ. And he wanted to speak it clearly and boldly. In other words, may every word I say, may it count and they understand You know, some of you, sometimes when I talk about sharing the gospel, you're like, I don't know how. God can make your words plain. He can give you words in those tough situations. That later you go, I don't even know where that came from. Well, I do. The Holy Spirit inside of you gave you the words you needed at that moment for that specific conversation. Now, the Greek words for proclaiming as he should is actually, if you really translated it with the true meaning, the feels of it, it's an urgent, forceful urgency. In other words, Paul felt this gut kind of urgency that I have to share the gospel of Christ. Even though he's in chains, that's all he can think about. That's all he can, you know, I can envision him being in house arrest. Maybe we can relate to that just a tiny bit, you know, after 2020 and we've been in uh, lockdown and, and we've been shut at home and Robin can relate being shut down with her family all summer long. Yeah, she, I've been watching her post too. She relates to that being locked in with Billy. But I envision Paul being locked in. He can't go anywhere and he's very limited in what he can and can't do. And yet... He's chomping at the bit to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. That may seem foreign to a lot of us. Because we do forget sometimes 
That is what we're called to do. It's not just about us receiving, it's about us giving. We are now the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And I want and I pray, oh, this is one of my prayers for you, so just know that. God, stir up the passion in people to want to tell about you. Stir that passion. Because let me tell you, this pastor didn't always have that passion. I was just fine and dandy coming on a Sunday morning, doing my thing, and then I went home. And then God said, I need you to do more. I need you to do more. And over the years, that passion got flamed into full force. So it's an urgent need, maybe because Paul understood, I'm in house arrest, I'm fixing to go to trial, I'm thinking it might not end so well for me. A term we all know, I'm a dead man walking. Like my days are limited. Now he could sit back and feel sorry for himself. He could sit back and and want to figure out how to get out of the mess. But see, Paul was always at peace with death. He always knew where he was going. That's why he knew to die was gain. He would be with Jesus. But to live is Christ. In other words, while I'm here, I know I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to take as many people with me as I can. Wow. What if we walked around with that attitude every single day? What if when you prayed, that was your attitude every single day? What is that movie, uh, Hacksaw Ridge? Oh, I do hate the language in it. I need my TV guardian to watch it. But that is one of the... Give give me another one. Give me one more. Give me one more, Lord. Give me one more, Lord. Give me one more. And then when you you get one, give me one more, Lord. (laughs) Just give me somebody to talk to today about Jesus. Do you love him that much? You know, our district prayer strategy kind of looks like this model because um, we want you to be devoted in prayer, yes, for our district and and looking for a new district superintendent, and we want you to be focused, but we want you to also think about Dr. Askren. You know, it's not, well, he quit on us, we're done with him. No, God just, unfortunately, they really thought they were going to retire here in Arkansas. And for some reason, God called them to Colorado. Oh, bless his heart, right? <laughs> if you know Dr. Askren, he, he loves to, to hike and he's an outdoorsman, so oh, bless his heart. I'm sure that was a hard decision. No, it really was. It really was. Miss Judy was in tears. She loves this district. So be in prayer, though, because God has a purpose for them there. He has a ministry. And let me tell you, as somebody who, this is, he's my second district superintendent. I love Dr. Branster. But Dr. Oscar was really good to us pastors. You see, the DS is the pastor's pastor. And he was really good for us. And that's going to be a hard act to follow, I just got to tell you. But be in prayer. Be in prayer that that person, whoever God is calling, they have to answer that call as well. Now, here's where Paul gets a little bit in our business. We can talk prayer all day long, right? We love prayer, Miss Diane. But then he says, go live wisely among the non-believers. In other words, get, get a little bit out of your comfort zones, Miss Diane. Remember, our, we used to talk about that a lot, comfort zones. 
You see, Paul is all about that transforming power of Christ. It changes who you are. Everything. And verse 5 probably is, is where he says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Church, how many opportunities did you have this week? Hmm. How many non-believers did you talk with this week? Well, now, BJ, I don't ask people. That, that can get a little bit in their business. That makes people a little uncomfortable. That invades their privacy, right? Great. If you want to go with that thought, then you better assume every person you come in contact with is a non-believer until they've told you otherwise. And you better live wisely among them. You better live with the thought, if I don't know that person to know where they stand with the Lord, then I'm just going to assume they don't know Christ yet. Which means I have to take the responsibility that I'm living in front of them Jesus Christ. Does that hurt anybody today? To know how we've been living might not be showing people Jesus Christ. You see, the Greek for making every opportunity count here, it's talking about a decisive moment, not a precise time. You see, sometimes we use that, Lord, give me, give me opportunity today. We're actually thinking one moment of time. Give me, give me one person today, Lord, that, that, that just, I'll know that I know that I know that you want me to speak to them. But what Paul is actually referring to, God, give me an attitude that I make a decisive decision that every person I come in contact with, I will look for those avenues to speak with them in Christ. And that I'm going to live before them as Christ would live. That means every person we encounter becomes an opportunity. We're just deciding whether to be Christ or not be Christ in front of them. So it's not just about a moment that is specific and it's going to happen at 3 o'clock when I go to this thing, Lord. No, it could be the person across from me at the gas pump. That we just sort of overhear something going on and we just want to give them an encouraging word today. It could be, you know, when we was on vacation, and you guys know what I'm talking about, there's this epidemic of nobody's working. Like, we almost decided we, we were going to retire and just go down to Alabama and work at one of the seafood places because everybody's hiring down there, Right. Um, and we decided we'll just live in a hotel and walk on the beach every day. Yeah, we, we had a plan. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, we had a plan. <laughs> but I was so distraught one day. We, we went into a seafood place that uh, we went early in the afternoon to beat the, the big crowds. And as we were walking in, there was a couple walking out, and this woman was just irate. She was so ticked off mad because we have been waiting for blah, 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 blah. And I just said, I know that they don't have enough workers, but that is not my problem. I am here to be served. I mean, this was her conversation She's we're hearing as they're leaving out. And so, one, we're thinking, wow, there may be a longer line in here than we know of. Well, there wasn't, like... Her and two other people was what was waiting, actually. Um, but the 
the manager lady, she did warn us. She said, it's about a 35 to 45 minute wait. She said, I apologize. I don't have enough workers today. And we said, hey, we're on vacation. We don't have a time clock. We're good with that, you know. And you know what? We wound up maybe 15 minutes. You know, we just sort of did the shopping and whatever in their little shop. And um, But yes, they were running crazy. There was only a couple of servers and uh, knew they were sure to cook in the back. And be nice. Just be nice. It's not the owner's fault that nobody will apply for a job or show up for work if they have a job. Live wisely in front of people. Give grace, give love, give understanding. Give big tips if you can. I tip our, our workers because I was like, praise you for coming to work today. <laughs> you know? This is what Paul's talking about, though. Live. Let me tell you, that woman was just not pretty. It was not a conversation I wanted to have with somebody after seeing that on her. Right? Now, what if she had turned around and tried to share Christ with me after me hearing this conversation? No, that's not the Christ I know, right? <laughs> um, that's what Paul is talking about. Living wisely. Non-believers will be reluctant to accept the claims of the gospel from you if you're failing to live up to your own ethical teachings that you are proclaiming. So when you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, this is your manual. This is your ethics. This is what we believe. And when they see us living otherwise, we just null and void at that whole thing. Right? You know, what drew me into church was because I saw people living different than me. Church, your non-Christian friends don't need more friends like them. Because the world is given on plenty of that. They already have plenty of friends who are struggling with the same addictions and the same bad marriages and the same financial problems and the... Do you get where I'm going? We got plenty of friends like us. They need somebody with the transforming power of Jesus Christ that can show them how to live life different, how to walk through the troubles of the world and still have peace and hope. That's the friends they need. Now let's talk about our conversations, Paul said. Oh, snap. <laughs> I told you that Paul, he gets in our business. Verse 6, he says to be gracious and attractive. Some of your versions may say, let your conversations be what? Seasoned with salt. And Pastor Andrew did a wonderful job last week. He talked about the, being the salt and the light. When he started in on the salt, I was like, dude, you're touching my... That's my sermon next week. Come on, leave me something, Andrew. But then I thought, no, God, you just want to really hit this topic for us, is what it is. So salt has different purposes, right? It makes things taste better. 
Um, it preserves things. I remember growing up and, and we would raise our own pigs and then dad had a little smokehouse and we would smoke the hams and smoke our own bacon and, you know, and he would go in there and put all that salt brine stuff on it every day or whatever to let it cure. It's because it preserves things. Why does it preserve things? It kills bacteria. So like the other day, I saw a video on social media talking about how salt water is good for your skin. So ladies, listen up. Even guys, actually. Um, my, my son's back there going, yes, yes, yes. That salt water, she, this woman, her routine, she, she just has a, a very light cleanser that she does on her face, and then she spritzes salt water on her. And it's because salt kills bacteria. So then I'm getting to thinking, I'm like, when I was on vacation, I think my skin was better because I was in the ocean every day, Right? So I immediately say, hey, Thomas, book the trip. Well, I got to go back to the ocean. I'm starting to get breakouts again, so I need to go clear that up. Ladies, let's have a spa day at the ocean. Yes, yes. I think, I think we got, Mandy, get that, get that women's trip going for a spa day at the ocean. Salt has its purposes. But see, here's the problem. Again, the world, the enemy can take God's word and begin to twist things. Because today we have a, a little term we use, well, that person's salty. But it's not a good thing, right? <laughs> I mean, we think it is. I'm salty and sassy. Yeah. But see, the problem is that's not what Paul is talking about. Today it's become a meaning that someone's angry or irritated or hostile towards people. She's salty. My wife is salty today, right? Don't be a Karen. Who knows what a Karen is in here? Anybody? Thank you. i got to make sure. Oh, even Miss Dorothy knows what a Karen is. That's, that's pretty good. So don't be a salty Karen, all right? But there's also this thing that you can have too much salt on something. You know what I'm talking about? And I think, you know, I, I tend to lose my taste of salt on occasion because of vitamin deficiency stuff I, I deal with. And, and let me tell you, it ain't fun when you can't taste salt. Like, it ruins everything. Like, it's so bland. Now, it's not that I can't. It just, it takes a lot of it for me to taste. So my kids can tell you stories of me cooking. And by the time I added salt, where, ooh, it tasted good to me, they go, oh, mama, we can't even eat this. I, I ruined a whole potato soup once doing that, you know? So you can oversalt something. Salt, though, enhances flavor. Confession time, Miss Dorothy. You made us chocolate pie a few weeks, what, last month maybe. And um, so Miss Nancy's back there. She's being a Karen, by the way. She was being salty to me because she was fussing at me for having the last piece of pie. Um, so the next time we have the last of Dorothy's pie, we're going to auction it off for a fundraiser for something around here. I think I could do it. And so then, though, they gave me grief because... I took and sprinkled just a dash of little salt on that chocolate pie. And then it tasted like my grandma's, because my grandma's crust was always a little bit salty. And if you don't know this, this is your life hack for the day, especially our young ones in here. I know my older ladies may know this. Things like chocolate, you can put just a little pinch of salt in, and it enhances and pulls that flavor, and it will pop out like you've never known. So when you make a, a chocolate pudding, a chocolate pot, just a little sprinkle of salt, just a little bit, 
And it just enhances that flavor. But when I did it, Miss Nancy, y'all called me out and told me I done did a blasphemous thing to Dorothy's pie or whatever. <laughs> She's like, stop calling me out on this. No, I'm throwing you because you gave me a hard time, Nancy. So when Paul says, let your conversations be seasoned with salt. The message gives verse 6 this way. The goal is to bring out the best in others in conversation. Not put them down. Not cut them out. You see, sometimes we're so busy criticizing people and telling them, what they've done wrong, and how you've went against this scripture, and shame on you, that you're pushing people further away. Our conversations need to be drawing the best out of people. They kind of want to talk to you. That's why how we live, what we say, what we post, makes a difference in whether people believe our witness of Jesus Christ. Because it don't matter that you're sitting here this morning. Nobody's seeing this. They're seeing you out there. And that's the witness you give them. Sitting in these chairs, don't even count. This is you refreshing you today. But you've got to walk out there and live what we talk about. And what the Holy Spirit convicts you about. So... Another thing Paul said was the right, make sure that you have the right response for everyone. When we live different because of Jesus Christ, when we are transformed, people will ask questions. Especially if they're like, I knew you when, but you don't look like that now. What's the difference? They'll ask questions. And so Paul says, make the most of every opportunity, remember? Don't fear questions. So many of you, maybe that's why you don't even have conversations with people because you're scared they're going to ask you questions. And you're like, BJ, I don't know the Bible. I don't, I really, okay, I'm going to admit, I don't study it the way I should. You know the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's how you became a believer. You know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And it's because of that your sins are forgiven. You know he rose on the third day and he is alive and well today. You know that the Holy Spirit lives in you now as a believer. You know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you and only you know the testimony of how God has changed your life. That's what you share with people. Well, what if they ask me a question I don't know? Then be honest and say, I don't know. But I'll find out an answer for you. Or I'll hook you up with the pastor and then she'll tell you, I don't know. I'll find out the answer for you. I say that too, by the way. When somebody asks me a very deep, heartfelt question of why did God do I don't know. But we'll work on that answer together. Of figuring it out. So church, let me ask you a few questions as we close. Will you devote yourself in prayer for this church? Staying alert. Not just a generic, don't, don't, don't just pray, Lord, we need more people. I don't want that. I'd rather have 60 devoted 
growing, transforming Christians than 150 we're just here because we're here. So be alert and focused in how you pray for our church. Lord, transform us so that we can be the witnesses to help transform others with your name. Will you pray for me that I will make the most of every opportunity that God puts before me on a day-by-day basis? Will you commit today to live your life wisely before your non-Christian friends, acquaintances, and anybody you come in contact with? Your family. Oh, church, your family is your first ministry. You mess that up and you don't have a ministry. And I take that very seriously. Because I know there's plenty in my family's history, we've messed up a lot. I've had those screaming matches with my kids too. And those are the moments I have to get centered in Christ. Because if I mess that ministry up, my marriage, my kids, I don't have any other ministry. So will you commit to live wisely before every opportunity of persons God puts before you? Will you commit today to be less salty by the world's standard and filling your conversations seasoned with salt by Christ's standards? Be aware of your words and your actions and your social media. Salty and sassy, it ain't all that cool. Not if people can't see Jesus in you. Now, can you still be crazy and sassy? Sure you can. You know this pastor is not your normal pastor. I know that. (laughs) But in everything I do, Christ is a part of it. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to laugh in life. I want you to. I want this to be the happiest church ever. I can't stand to walk into a church that you're like, am I at a funeral or am I at a worship service? I'm not real sure, right? I want us to laugh and have joy. But I want people to see that I do it by a different standard. I don't need alcohol. I don't need a lot of language. I don't need the same kind of entertainment. Do I like my music a little loud? Yep, but it's Christian music. Do you see the difference? Do you see the transforming power that God can create in your life? So today, it's a decision for you to make. It's not just about God put somebody in my life. God, am I ready for you to put somebody in my life? To be able to reflect who you are to them. Stand with me this morning. These altars are open. You know, a message like this, I hope it's hitting somebody today. That you understand the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And maybe today you thought, man, I'm not sure I've let God do that to me. I I thought it was just about getting to heaven. No, it's so much more. It's about living heaven here on earth. So maybe you need to come down to these altars and say, God, transform me. Start with me today. And maybe some of those questions I ask you, are you ready to devote yourself in prayer? So maybe you want to come down and pray for our church today. And pray for for our VBS. 
that we live wisely among these kids and their families. Maybe you need to pray for for your families and, and Lord, help me live wisely among my own family. Heavenly Father, we come today. And Lord, I love these messages because I am so thankful for what you did for me on the cross. And Lord, it puts an urgency in my heart that I want people to feel the transformation you make. It's not a transformation that, Lord, is about just ripping everything out of our lives. It's about what you want to fill us with. God, you want to fill us with hope. You want to fill us with being content with what we have. God, and you want to fill us with your spirit, with your passion to share with others. So I pray for every person here and, and Lord, possibly online, if, if we have online viewers, that, God, they will feel that call from you today. God, may we devote ourselves to prayer for this church, for this community, and for others around the world. Because, God, our purpose is to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. And God, may that begin to stir our hearts <laughs> because we get so busy sometimes in our own lives, <laughs> we forget that. And Lord, may we learn to live wisely. But God, we have to know how you call us to live before we can do that. So God, may we begin to, to crave, to read your word, to listen to your word more so that we know more of who you are so that we know what you expect of us. God, may our conversations this week, hmm. I think first, God, give us a, a ear that is tuned in to our own words this week. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to convict us as, as we hear ourselves through your ears. Hmm. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for all those conversations and moments and opportunities that we miss and we push somebody further from you. Let us lament that just a moment today. And then God, may, may our words be covered in you today so that people will know that we serve you and because of that we are changed. And we have love and we have hope to share with others. Father, I just pray over this congregation as we leave this room. This has been a time of refreshing for each of us. And I just pray as we leave this place that we all understand the responsibility of being ambassadors of Christ. To everyone we come in contact with this week. Our families, our co-workers, and strangers in general, Lord that are still opportunities that we may not miss, even if it's just being kind. When we don't feel like it, we feel justified in being upset, but may we be kind. And may we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, I love you. Have a beautiful day with your family. And go be a blessing to others because you have been blessed. Have a good Sunday.
Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.